0: Where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Brought to you by Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas Bank here. I'm Dan Mack. On today's show, top tweeted moments from last night's Democratic debate. And a toy startup raises 10 million to bring its characters to life on Instagram. But first, Varsity Blues gets a sequel. So earlier this year, it seemed that all of America was up in arms over the college admissions scandal in which dozens of wealthy parents essentially bribed their kids ways into schools like Georgetown and USC. So far, it's already resulted in some jail sentences, plenty of fired executives and lots of sleepless nights for the parents who utilize the services of a disgraced college counselor, Rick Singer. But now we've learned about yet a new way to cheat the college admissions process, and it might be legal. According to the Wall Street Journal, a small college counseling group in Chicago called Destination College told affluent parents that their kids could get financial aid if their parents gave up legal guardianship. Or transferred it to someone else. In other words, imagine I'm a father making half a million dollars, but my kid only made a couple grand from a summer job. Now, normally a college would look at my income, not my kids. But if I'm no longer his legal guardian, then the college only looks at that summer job money and deems him eligible for aid. Moreover, state and federal governments do the same. They look at that for aid also, which is why the U.S. Department of Education is now taking a long look at this scheme, according to a blockbuster new report in The Wall Street Journal. The Bottom line here, college costs have become so high that even the wealthy are trying to avoid them. And it seems that they might have found a legal loophole to exploit. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with the Wall Street Journal reporter who broke this story. But first, this. Silicon Valley Bank strives to provide banking services at your pace. Quick, nimble, and always looking ahead. And when you run into a speed bump, They'll have the insights and expert advice to help guide you through it. Visit svb.com forward slash next to learn more. We're joined now by Douglas Belkin, a higher education reporter for The Wall Street Journal who originally broke this story. Let's start at the beginning here. How did the Department of Education first catch on to this scheme?
1: They were notified by the University of Illinois, which was in turn notified by a high school guidance counselor who was told by a high school kid who used this service, this was what was happening. And she was concerned and, and phoned the school.
0: And when you say this service, you mean this kind of Chicago area college prep company called Destination College. What do we know about them? She opened
1: eight years ago, and it's a small company, a couple of people, and she's a um, works with folks who are mostly north of, of the city and the suburbs up that way, helping folks figure out how to pay for college and how to apply to college and, and what they want to study when they get in. So she sort of has a range of services.
0: Which is kind of similar to Rick Singer, right? Which And again, I understand that this process, this guardianship transfer, might be technically legal, whereas what Singer did was illegal. But Singer was the same, right? He had a lot of, quote, legitimate services, and then he had kind of some stuff on the side menu.
1: Yeah, to that extent, there's a correlation. She offered admission services and regular guidance, and this was an addendum to those things. The big difference, of course, like you said, is that what he was doing was you know, abjectly illegal, and what she's doing is not.
0: When we say that what she's doing is not, it certainly violates the spirit of these rules, and particularly these scholarships, if not the letter. Do we know for sure that what she has done is not illegal? And I don't mean the transforming of guardianships. That's obviously a legal process, but doing so for this purpose or applying? for financial aid after having done so.
1: I wouldn't bet my right arm on it, but that's how it looks right now. The folks at the financial aid who run financial aid are looking to essentially tighten what they believe to be a loophole because it exists and she saw it and moved through it so it looks like it is legal. The University of Illinois called it legal. I think it's just this is really an ethical dilemma more than anything else.
0: So if you're at the University of uh, Illinois and when you look at these kids you know you, you get an application from somebody who had just uh, you know had the guardianship transferred. What do they use to determine whether that transfer was, for lack of a better term, legitimate or not? Right, because in, in certain cases there could be a legitimate transfer where the kid isn't still getting, you know, the kid isn't really a dependent of the parents anymore.
1: So there's two issues here, right? This legal process where these children transfer guardianship happens in a courtroom. What happened with these kids was legal, legitimate. A judge signed off on it. The bar is very low. If the kids want to transfer, if the parents want to transfer the guardianship and the guardian wants to do it, the judge essentially says yes. There's not much press back on it. The next question is, is it ethical or legal for them to declare themselves as independents for the purposes of financial aid because they've gone through this legal process? And the answer is, is legal. And the rub is, is it ethical? And that's, that's where this, this story stands right now. The university says no. The folks at the financial aid world uh, in Washington seem to think that it's not as well but that's looking forward. Looking back, uh, she didn't break any laws from what we can tell.
0: As you mentioned, this is one you know, kind of small college counseling group or, or person in Chicago. Is it fair to probably assume that if she figured this loophole out, others in other places have figured it out as well?
1: Well, that's sort of what we're, we're we're operating on the idea. I mean, look at it like this, right? School can cost a quarter million dollars now. People are going to want to get the best deal they can. Most folks are going to play within the rules. Some folks are gonna push the rules. Some folks are gonna break the rules. Is she the only one who has pushed them? Probably not. So that's, uh, that's the question now.
0: And this kind of goes to the other kind of case, the, the Varsity Blues case. And so I'm just curious, given what you cover, are you surprised we haven't seen more arrests in that case, right? Uh, Rick Singer, when he pled guilty, talked about, I believe he's talked about hundreds, if not thousands of parents who had used that so-called side door. But since the original arrests, we haven't seen any more.
1: I think there's a lot going on behind the scenes, but the legality of that is challenging. I think part of it is trying to show who's been harmed. And, and, you know, that's what the judge in Boston, the federal judge in Boston asked the question, who's been harmed by this? What's the crime?
0: Isn't the obvious answer the kids who didn't get in, you know, the kids who theoretically the next kid on the list who didn't get in?
1: Right. Show me that kid. Right. Where is he? Where, can you find that kid? It's made it a little bit trickier for prosecutors to move forward. Um, yes, I, I am surprised there hasn't been more. Rights. I think there's probably a lot of people involved that, that hasn't come out, whether or not the prosecutors will move forward. It seems probable to me that, that that's coming.
0: Fair enough. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Douglas Belkin, higher ed reporter for The Wall Street Journal. My final two right after this. With Silicon Valley Bank, you'll get a banking and financial services partner committed to seeing you through the ups, the downs, and the I'm way in over my head moments. There are also scalable solutions that fit each important stage of the startup journey. Visit svb.com forward slash next to learn more. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is last night's Democratic presidential debate in which the CNN moderators seem to spend as much time asking candidates to stop answering questions as to begin answering them. Now, according to Twitter, here were the top three tweeted moments. First, when Elizabeth Warren smacked down John Delaney during a health care debate saying this. I don't understand why anybody goes to all the trouble of running for president of the United States just to talk about what we really can't do and shouldn't fight for. Never mind, of course, that Delaney was basically arguing to preserve Obamacare, which is what many Democrats ran on two years ago. Number two, candidates responded to a question on the Green New Deal. And those answers became less about climate policy as it was about the Green New Deal's inclusion of many other not climate-specific policies. And number three, Marianne Williamson and Warren's response to a question on racism in America, a moment that arguably more broadly highlighted how all 10 candidates on stage were white and how impossible it is to go beyond the superficial in so little time. And finally today, a Vermont toy maker called Super Plastic announced $10 million in venture capital funding, and it's taking two of its most popular characters, one called Janky and one called googiman and they're bringing them to Instagram. And specifically, the characters will become animated in a pretty realistic way and begin interacting with fans. For Super Plastic, this could mean brand endorsement deals for these characters, kind of like what flesh and blood Instagram influencers get. And before you say that's not really gonna become a thing, Remember, a 16-year-old just won $3 million playing Fortnite, which is more than the recent Wimbledon winners got for their titles. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Terrence Malingone. Have a great National Avocado Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata podcast.